Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of She Seems Cool. I am in New York City. Whoa, I travel, and I'm here with a very special guest who actually is one of the first people that I thought of when I was coming up with this podcast, and it is Karina De Jesus from House Agency. But you weren't from House Agency when I first met you, so this is going to be part of the story. So, Karina, thank you so much for allowing me to interview you. Um, Yeah, you were just somebody who... I was like, she seems cool. I want to get to know her. I want to know more about her. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. No, no, of course, of course. I think for people at home, and and me especially when before I ever worked in the fashion industry and honestly still now, uh, there's lots of things that you just don't know about that go on behind the scenes. And so, you know, you don't know about showrooms. You don't know about wholesale. You don't know about market week. You've got your own showroom now, your own agency. And so I think it would be pretty cool to kind of uh, lift the veil a little bit and let people see like what goes on behind the scenes. How do the clothes get to the stores that they eventually buy? But I guess first we should probably just, you know, who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do all day? Like what's, what's, what's your story? So tell us, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I guess I should start by saying that I'm from Latvia and my first language is Latvian, so please excuse my accent and probably, like, wrong things that I say. Um, yeah, so I moved to States 10 years ago. I came originally for college, and I thought that I was going to just stay one year, um, become fluent in English, and then go back home and be an interpreter, actually. Oh, Yeah, I wanted, I used to work with missionaries from the U.S., Mm -hmm. and I just loved doing that, and I was an interpreter with them, so I was like, oh, maybe I can continue in that vein after college, you know, and, um, but that didn't happen. Yeah, you're you're still here. I'm still here, yeah. I, I originally moved to Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah, I met a lady through interpreting. It was honestly, like, miracle. She was there. She was in Latvia for three days. On my second day, she asked me what I wanted to do after high school. And I was like, well, I really wanted to go to States, but it's not possible for me. It's too expensive. Mm -hmm. And she ended up paying for my school for one year, for my flight, for my visa. I lived with her. Basically covered all of my expenses. Gave me a car um, for a whole year. And then it was incredible. I'm very grateful for it. And... Then I decided that I wanted to stay, so I figured all of that out and stayed in Ohio for four more years. Oh, wow. And then moved to New York five years ago. What were you doing in Ohio? It ended up being, because I was an international student, I was just there longer, and I Mm -hmm. was, like, taking different classes. Because the first year was so random. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was just, like, taking English classes and figuring out. I I wasn't really planning on getting a degree, Um, but... So that's why I ended up, and then I traveled in between. I like lived in Ireland for six months. Amazing. What brought you to New York? They took me on many trips, mm-hmm. which was also so incredibly generous of them. And for Christmas, we came to New York, oh. and that was my first time in New York City. They just knew that I love cities, so they wanted to, you know, expose me to that because Ohio is maybe not, like, the city that... The most metropolitan of states. (laughs) Yeah, like, not what you really see on TV and what you expect when you come to states, you know? So they um, brought me here, and I remember, I think it was, like, our second day here, I I told them, I was like, one day I'm going to live here. I just, like, loved the energy, Mm -hmm. everything about it. 
And I remember them looking at me and being like, okay, Karina. You know, like a little Karina from Latvia. Sure, you'll live in in the big city. Yeah, live in uh, New York one day. But then that always just like stuck with me. And So when you came to New York, did you initially get into the fashion industry? Or were you working, or were you doing some interpreting or anything like that? Or No, yeah. So actually while... I was in college. I started, that's when I really got into fashion. I was studying business, mm-hmm. um, but there was like a fashion club oh, in fun. school, and I was like part of that. There's like Cleveland Fashion Week, and I'm like imagining Project Runway episodes like happening <laughs> in, in the college dorms. I love that. No, actually, we were more like this girl, she was in, involved with Cleveland Fashion Week. And we just wanted to do anything, so we, like, volunteered for that, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I got exposed. And then I worked for Urban Outfitters. I had, like, three jobs while I was in college. I worked at the fitness center, at the library, and then I got my dream job at Urban Outfitters. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then the girls there introduced me to the blogging world. Mm -hmm. So that's when I, like, started blogging and never, like, became a big blogger or anything. But that, like, exposed me to a lot in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved to New York City, I continued blogging and I went to a trade show just to, like, see some brands. Capsule. Oh, you went to Capsule. How long ago was that? Five years ago. Literally when I moved. I'm trying to think, like, I feel like... Was it when it, when it was in Basketball City? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was my yeah. first capsule was, I think, the last year that it was in Basketball City. And I was like, it was, I was so overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, trade shows are crazy. I know. They're so big. And obviously now it's even bigger. Like, yeah. it's changed so much. At that point, it was a little bit smaller, a little bit more intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how I was, I went there and then I saw Wholesale and I was like, what is this? And that's kind of how I started pursuing, like, working in the industry because, I was a little tired of like blogging and I realized that I'm more of a business oriented person. Mm-hmm. It suits you more, you know, you, this is your element right here in the, in the showroom. Exactly. It makes me so happy. Okay. So you're in New York, you're, you're kind of giving up on blogging, but you're experiencing now this whole world of fashion retail behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so what's your first step in getting into it? So as all naive people that just moved to New York, I think that I am going to land the job right away. I'm going to be Anna Winter's assistant. (laughs) Yes. Well, I was literally like, oh, I can do this. So I ended up um, meeting a girl at the trade show and I emailed her and I was like, are there any openings in your company? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, there are not, but you can be my intern. And I was just thinking, I was like, what? I don't want to be an intern. And then I, w- I would have, she only needed an intern starting in January or February, and I was available in October. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to wait three months for an internship. Like, no, sure enough, had to wait for <laughs> the internship. Three months for the yeah, internship. like nobody's going to give you a job in New York City with no New York experience, no previous, you know. New York's, New York's tough. I mean, I feel like you got to be like a hustler. For and I don't, sure. I don't know that I'm cut out for it. You know, I love to visit, but I don't think I could. Really? I mean, I don't know. I, I flirt with the idea. I kind of like San Francisco's a small pond, mm-hmm. and I like feeling like a goldfish in a small pond instead of a piece of, like, tiny piece of, I don't know, like, bacteria floating in an ocean in New York. <laughs> 100%. It's exactly, like, there's always bigger, better things in people, and, you know, but you just can't think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
what I've been learning a lot with house and just in general in life is like there's no you can't compare yourself. Oh, like, absolutely. That'll just ruin your life or your day. Yeah. Your mood. Exactly. Just focus on what's in front of you and do that well. Yeah. So you you got this internship and how long were you there for? What kind of stuff did you do? Yeah, so I was there for, I think, almost three months. Mm -hmm. So up until that, and even during the internship, I still I worked at a restaurant, um, was doing that, and then during the internship, I think it was like two or three months. Um, and I was doing everything. So I was also a PR intern, so I was just like assisting with like, you know, the lend outs when a magazine requests something, packing it up, mm -hmm. tracking it, all that. Um, when the collections arrive, steaming the collections, pricing the collections, hanging the collections, like anything really. Or if someone needed something running out, buying boxes, buying, you know, literally you do anything. And I, I was lucky, like the girl that I was working with, like she was so great. And I learned so much from her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you're at a PR agency, you're doing the internship. Mm -hmm. When do you get like the first like full-time gig, I guess? Yeah, so after my internship was over, um, I started, someone connected me with like a temp agency. Mm -hmm. So then um, I got like a recommendation letter from my internship and I applied to the temp agency and sent them my resume, my recommendation letter, and that was really great. So then they connected me with Coach mm -hmm. And I was doing, I was like a market assistant at Coach for a little bit. But that was like only temporary. So they like called me in and I worked for maybe six weeks. Okay. And then just like for market, you know, to help out because that's when it's crazy. Yeah, um, they need extra hands. Yeah, but they don't need that position cover the whole time. Um, so I worked there. Then after that, I still, I was still working at the restaurant. I never like gave up my restaurant job. No, you got to keep the, keep the job that pays the bills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I nannied for the full, for, first full year that I had the store because oh, it was really? like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay myself anything. So let me have a yeah. real job and do this during the day or, you know, after midnight. Wow. You gotta, you know, you gotta see, you're you gotta, a hustler. You gotta, I gotta hustle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're a hustler. Um, and then I did that. Another six weeks passed. I went back to coach again. And then after that, I got my first full-time job doing wholesale sales. But the company, they hired me. It was so weird. They hired me and then they folded like two weeks or three weeks later. Did you ever get paid? Did you get a paycheck at all? I think I did. You might have gotten one. Yeah, I only got, like, one paycheck. I was crying so much. Like, I was just, like, so overworking at the restaurant. I was trying to figure out my life. And then I finally, like, was like, yeah, I got a job. I think I, at that point I quit the restaurant because it was, like, a full-time yeah, job. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm good. And then three weeks later, they're like, <laughs> oh, by the way, we don't have any money. So we're not doing this anymore. The fashion industry, not as glamorous as everyone thinks it is. No, no. <laughs> Money isn't just pouring off of trees in this industry, people. It might look no. glamorous, but... No, not at <laughs> it's all. It's hard work. Especially if you're in it. If you're just on the outside making money somewhere else and buying clothes... Oh, yeah. That's glamorous. That's the glamorous <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, that's the nice life. So where did you work after this defunct company? After that, I, um, what did I do? I like freelanced for someone and again, oh, I helped someone at Capsule. But see, I think, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. So while I was working at the company that like failed, 
I had met this girl very randomly, and then I ran into her at Capsule, mm-hmm. and I told her, hey, I'm looking for a job again. And she then ended up connecting me with my first real showroom job. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It, I mean, it's all in who you know, you know? Making yeah. friends that are in the industry and able to do things. Okay, so yeah. at that position, you were a sales rep? Yes. I didn't know this, but I started out, <laughs> I thought that I was right away, <laughs> but I actually just started out as an assistant. Okay. And then like a month later, they gave me like my own brands. I was there for like two years after that. Is that where I first brand. met you? No, okay. you met me at Venn, mm-hmm. which was the showroom that I was after. Okay. Yeah. So that showroom... It's like it came all full circle. So Ven was started by the girl that I interned for at the first. Wow. Yeah. So after I had finished my internship and worked and it's two years later, she reached out and she started the showroom basically like a year, two years before. Mm -hmm. Actually, she started at the same time as I got my other job. So she had had it for two years and she was like, I have it big enough to where you can come on board like Mm -hmm. what do you want so I went on board and it was so great like we've always wanted to work together again um so I just felt so amazing like I had so much freedom and it really felt as my own and Mm -hmm. it was really great wow it just goes to show you and it's like if you do a good job in an internship you don't know what that's going to turn into later so Mm -hmm. don't slack in the internship okay so then you were at Venn and how long did you work at uh, Venn for couple of years um it was year nine months okay yeah the only reason I left when and started this was because I um so Ghani our biggest brand mm-hmm. exploded and oh, yeah. got bought by El Caterton and okay. then they took all sales in-house so the founder of Venn went in-house with them okay and I took my biggest brand which was Rick mm-hmm. and just started house agency Okay, so so yeah. Venn Agency kind of is no more, or is it? No, it's no more. Yeah. Okay, yeah, oh, interesting. Well, that's cool. You kind of like split it up, and then you guys each kind of are doing. Mm-hmm. And it was a great thing. Like it worked really well for both of us. We we're both really in a good, happy place. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you have your own agency, and you have how many lines that you rep? I have five brands. Well, six. And are those brands that you have sought out and you pitch them? I mean, obviously, Rake, you brought along with you. So for me, because I was adding on designers before the agency was actually formed, Mm -hmm. I was definitely the one reaching out. Like, I would find most of my designers on Instagram. As much as we want to deny it, the brand has to have presence on Instagram, and it really, really helps. It definitely helps. So, yeah, that's where I found all of my brands, except for Novell Studios Candles I also had before, mm-hmm. and um, I know the designer personally, uh, so that's how I have that. But, yeah, I just found them on Instagram, reached out, and now it's different because now the agency is real, so now it's like, Mm-hmm. There are inquiries coming in, you know, it's like a more mutual process and mm-hmm. then you just kind of figure out if it's the right fit, mm-hmm. you know? Mutually. Did it feel very special when you got your first person that was like, I want you to rep me? Like, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, they want me. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice. Yeah. And especially it's nice if it comes from like a store that recommended, you know, mm-hmm. when a buyer is like 
tells the brand that they should reach out to me, that's a really good sign, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. So that makes me really happy. Oh, that's so nice. And yeah. so what is the process that you have with the designers like leading up to market? It really depends per brand. Like some brands that are bigger, you like I wouldn't be as involved. But like the brands that like Raikkonen, you know, we brought them to the US. So we had to figure out everything. Obviously they they have their pricing figured out, but mm-hmm. then we talk about, you know, how is it going to increase if we add on taxes and duties, you know, and all that. And then we look again and see, okay, where are we in the market? Like, what do I think that's going to do well in the U.S., you know, Mm -hmm. price-wise? Yeah, so we're definitely very much involved. And obviously it all, like, the last word is to the brand. And they, you know, it's their business. It's how they want to represent themselves. But they will ask those kinds of questions. And then also even in the design or like the merchandising, again, design is obviously my designers are designing their own collections and everything, Mm but we will look through the line sheets and I'll say like, oh, maybe we could have another top or like it seems like we need more tops or bottoms or dresses or, you know, and then they'll consider that. Okay, so you get a shipment in and it's like, okay, here's... By the way, so also the way it works is there's like a huge time gap in case some people don't know. Like it is September right now. Yes. And I am looking at pieces that we will be getting in February, February, even January, February, March, April. Things are bought very far in advance. Um, Just the way, you know, the fashion cycle is. You get the collection and then you've got to get people in here. So you've got your network of stores and and buyers and everything and you got to make appointments and, and can you break down that process a little bit? I, I'm sure it's a lot of um, administrative work. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of emailing. So by the time markets here, I don't want to email anybody or you know just not even see my inbox anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I will start emailing sometimes even before I have the collections here. Usually like a month before market starts, I will be reaching out to all my buyers. So basically everybody that I know that I've worked with before um obviously people that I think that the lines are gonna be a good fit for like there's no point to waste anybody's time you know Mm -hmm. you have people that maybe it doesn't work for them you know I always say it's almost like matchmaking oh truly you know um so I will reach out to the people that I already work with and then I'll definitely also like do my market research and always look for new stores um and then try to like target them and email them for us it's so important is the brand alignment as well Mm -hmm. so we have to sit next to the right brands yeah and sometimes it takes a season or two to like realize like oh as much as you know i may love this it's not the right fit for what my customer Mm -hmm. wants you know there's so many different things that i'll get super into trend wise and then i'll be like no one else is on this bandwagon with me okay it is me alone i know who likes this yeah i hear a lot that from buyers that you know they're like oh i can't buy for myself you know if i want it if i was buying for myself i would want this and this and this but then the customers are not gonna wear that so Mm -hmm. i feel like most of the time buyers have to be more conservative yeah yeah, definitely would want to be and I can only imagine too the stress I mean at the end for me and, and now for you too it's like at the end of the day like it's all on you you can get mad at yourself if you screw something up but yeah. I feel like I would be more stressed out if I worked for a company and like did a bad buy for a season and mm. they were like 
you're fired. <laughs> like you, Yeah. Because I can screw up. You know, we have things that are money makers and so they can carry things that don't sell as well or something. Yeah. There's pieces you want to bring on sometimes just because everybody might love it and nobody might buy it, but it might be something that people take pictures of and talk about and notice yeah. in your store and it really helped define the vibe of your store. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's, uh, I would be stressed out if I was using somebody else's money other than mine. Like, who? I know, that's so scary. I've been thinking about that a lot, especially this season. I've just been talking to people, and it's a lot of pressure. And I often feel like it's a lot of pressure on me, mm-hmm. you know, to, like, sell. Because, obviously, sales are so... Either I've brought in sales, or I haven't. And mm-hmm. I can't really say, like, oh, this or that. But now I'm learning that you guys have... S- the pressure is just as big, if not even more, and especially if you are working for a large corporation, you know, and that's why people are more hesitant to bring on new lines. Once you're getting orders in from the buyers, what's your next step in dealing with designers and brands? Yeah, so once I have all the orders, um, I will do like a big master folder, basically, and send it all orders to the buy- to the designer. And then I'll do a huge recap of the season. So I'll kind of explain what are the stores that are ordering. You know, this is why this order is this big or this small, you know. Then I'll talk about all the buyers or most of the buyers that I saw during market. And if they passed and if they explain why they did, that's always super helpful. Because then I can just like give the brand a really good feedback Mm-hmm. And then I try to also end my email usually with like a plan of action because obviously we always want growth. So, mm-hmm. you know, based on the feedback that I've received, positive and negative, we kind of decide on or like I'll suggest on what we should focus for the next season and how we should proceed. I really love it. And I think that sometimes it doesn't appeal like as a sexy thing to do to be in sales, you Mm -hmm. know, and whenever people ask me what I do and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm wholesale sales. um, Everybody's like, okay, cool. Like nobody wants to be in sales, but really when you think about it and how I see it, it's just like helping these brands grow and develop and you are really involved. It's not just like, it's not like they blindly send me a collection and then I never you know like we grow it together based on the feedback we think about it we communicate all the time Mm -hmm. and then in between markets we'll also work on marketing strategies together you know obviously they have like press people so I'm I try not to like spread myself too thin Mm -hmm. but I will if I have like some recommendations on how we should proceed or if the store has told me like oh this really works for us marketing wise then I'll pass that on to the brand. And we're just really working on the strategy, how to grow together. Do you do um, any consulting for brands that you don't necessarily rep? But I feel like that could actually be a great little side gig as well, too. Yeah, yeah, I do do that. And um, I really like it. It's really fun because then you don't have the pressure of selling, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing it from zero to 100 but it is really nice because I think in my mind, everything is um, common sense, you mm-hmm. know, because I've done it for a while. So yeah. I'm just like, of course, everybody knows this. But now that I've worked with a few designers on consulting basis, I'm realizing that, no, like they're designers. They really know about what they're doing. But this is a whole other part of the business that my knowledge can be useful for, you know. 
it's good to know if I have yeah. any brands that feel like they fit under your umbrella, they'll send them your way for some consulting. Yeah, for sure. I would, I would imagine that would be incredibly valuable because you, you, you know, I'm a small fish. You deal with some big accounts and some big mm. stores and big things. So you, you have um, a lot of knowledge in that noggin that you can uh, share with the brand. <laughs> I mean, there could always be more, but you know, we're all learning and definitely, yeah. It's okay, really so we put the orders in and let's say it's September and then February rolls around and now it's time to get everything out. What is your process then with the brands? So mostly brands are the ones that deal, that's like a logistics person then. Okay. Yeah, usually a brand will have in-house a logistics person that will make sure that everything is shipped out. That will do all the accounting and invoicing. Um, we like to keep that separate, like mm-hmm. the money, you know, invoicing and sales, just because sometimes it is an awkward conversation. If mm-hmm. the store is a little bit behind or, you know, then it's better when someone else can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will jump in, like, if, if someone needs on either end, you know, if there's, like, anything unclear or they just need... Because obviously the brand knows, the brand knows me best, and the store knows me best. Yeah, so, so you're I'm, a good intermediary. Between. Yeah, so I'll be cc'd on a lot of things, but I'll try to stay away as long as I can, just to like figure that out, and then so we can keep our relationship pure on both ends. Okay, um, but yeah, so they will they will deal with all the shipping and all of that. And then if people have issues with like any quality things or like the order was messed up do they go direct to brand or do they go to showroom so most people will come to me Mm -hmm. which i think that's just like the easiest and i always tell my stores you know like don't worry about deciding who you need to reach out to just email me and i'll figure out if i need to forward and if i need to loop someone in or if i can deal with it on my own like i think it's just easier for all the stores if i'm they have one point of contact like I'm their person, I'm responsible, I sold it to them, you know, Mm -hmm. so I want to take care of my stores that I work with, so yeah, I'll be like the person, the mediator again, but like if it is a damage, I'll loop in the brand because there's nothing I can do, you know, and then they'll take care of it, and I'll, again, I'll be on CC, and we'll just make sure that everything goes smoothly, and everybody's happy. Ah, so nice, and then you get the clothes, and then you sell them, and and yeah. that's why we're all here, right, guys? <laughs> exactly. It's all about clothes. All about clothes. Well, thank you so much yeah. for being my guest on on the podcast. And I was correct. She seems cool. She is cool. Thank you, Karina. And so yeah. do you want to do any um, shout outs like for the Instagram for the agency or, you know, whatever you maybe want to plug and people can oh, check yeah. you out? And maybe name the brands that you you rep as well, so in case people are curious and want to look them up. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I have two shoe brands, um, Ray Knen from Korea and Nicole Saldana. She is from New York. Super cool. Um, Then I have three ready-to-wear brands, Hannah Christina Metz. She's based in New York. Naya Rea from London and Hosberg from Denmark. Um, we like to do like a mix of different countries and different, you know. And then I have Novell Studios Candles, which is really exciting. And he actually did the table. You need to see it. Uh, he designed, yeah. It's an architect that started doing the candles and just he designs a lot of things. So it's really exciting. And then House Agency is on Instagram. I'll have it linked um, in the 
description, I guess, for the episode, and you can check it out and and see what Karina's doing. You are the girl who is wearing these things, and just like, so you kind of, I don't know, radiate the brand. It, it all makes sense. It all fits. Thank you so much. You're, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. <laughs> it means so much to me. Oh, yeah. No, of course. No. So thank you guys for listening, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. She Seems Cool is presented by Anomi, a great boutique in San Francisco that you should tell all of your friends about and do all of your holiday shopping at. Also online, www.shopanomy.com. Now, if you have gone down and looked in the description, you'll see that if you want to shop Raikkonen, which is the brand that Karina sells to me, you can get them 20% off with code EPISODE3, number three, not written out. I'm currently wearing a pair of the Ring Slim boots in white patent leather, I love them. I have seven, I think, different colorways of this Ring Slim boot. It's amazing. So check it out. Simple black leather. That's that's your gateway boot. Then you're going to want to get the corduroy. You're going to want to get the velvet. And then you will be on my level. I want to thank Karina so much for taking time out of market week to have this interview with me. This is the one of the worst weeks for anyone in retail. And she welcomed me. She was so gracious. I learned so much about her perspective. As I said, Karina was one of the women who inspired this podcast. For lack of a better description, I really liked her vibe, her energy that she put off when we had the showroom appointments and I, and I wanted to get to know her better. She has amazing style. She's a really nice person and she's built this amazing agency repping really great brands. She has a very clear vision for what house agency is and I'm, I'm for it. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much to Karina and I'll see you next time.